Well, let's go ahead and we'll get started. And like I said, we're going to finish up our message that we started. We've been out for three weeks. Who remembers what we've been talking about? We've been talking about show money, right? But we found out it's really not show money. It's Man, y'all pay attention, right? And as we, as we uh, finish this up, financial fitness part three today, that always has to be step one of the revelation. If I want God to move, I have to invite him into my financial life and my financial decisions. Y'all say it with me, decisions. Say it really, really Holly Pond Southern is how decisions. See, he wants to help you, but you're not inviting him in. You know, God in Jesus Christ is a gentleman. He is not going to infringe on your free will. He's not going to infringe on your decision making. He wants to help you, but we have to invite him in. And the first step is I have to see and identify that every good thing in my life, the money that I have, the house that I live in, the house that maybe I'm renting, the car that I'm driving, if it, if it operates is working, I am blessed. And every good gift comes from above, the Bible says. And if I'm blessed, God wants me to honor him with the blessings that I have. And so that's been the challenge. That's what we've been, we've been talking about. And so that's where we have to start. Somebody say start. Is simply inviting him in to our finances. And when this happens, guess what happens? You begin to see God as your, man, y'all are tracking with me. That must be the Holy Spirit. You see him as your provider. The Bible in the Old Testament, Abraham actually named the place where he was going to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. He called that place Jehovah Jireh, where God provided. Because he didn't have to do that, praise God. God provided this sacrifice. But Abraham saw God as his provider in everything. God wants us to see him the same way. Do you see God as your provider for everything? Do you see him as every good thing in your life comes from him, by him, through him? And if we really believe that, then why would it be so hard for me to simply just give him 10% of what he gives me every week? Y'all, you better be thankful, Ian, Westbrook, and God, because I'd be asking for the whole 100%. Right? Did you know you can do more with your blessed 90%, come on somebody, than you can with trying to hoard the whole 100%? in the flesh, in the natural. And God wants to do supernatural things in your bank account, in your ministries, in your life. But you got to honor him in faith first. You got to predecide that no matter what, God, I'm going to honor you with what you've given me. Right? And hey, you can't outgive God. We're going to talk about that today. He's so good. You can't outgive the Jehovah Jireh, he has limitless resources just waiting to pour it out on your life. He just wants you to take that one small step of faith that says, I see you, I recognize you as provider, God. Where are we going? Send me, Lord, right? Where are we going, God? So let's look at, let's uh, hit some recap before we dive in. Look at that, that foundational scripture that we used as we kicked this off three weeks ago. And who is trying to build a firm foundation in your life? A firm spirit, just one person, okay, bless that one person in Jesus' name. I hope and pray everyone is trying to build a firm foundation. And you know, it has to start and stop with where? With God's word. And I love what Pastor Jessica said. His word can be applied to every area in our lives, even our financial life, right? And so this is where we started. We use God's word, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. And I love this. It says, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moss eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal, but instead store your treasures in where? 
in where? In heaven, it says. Store up your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You know what the good news is? What you store in heaven can't be stolen from you. So are you routinely every single week making a heavenly deposit? Are you making deposits in your heavenly bank account? Because if you are, guess what? No one can touch it. The IRS can't touch it. Come on, somebody. Uh, And there's somebody worse than the IRS. His name's the devil. John 10.10 says, who is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you're not honoring God with your financial life, I guarantee you've been killed a little bit. You've been destroyed a little bit. Hey, and if, you're, if you give every single week, are you going to have problems? Yes. Is the air unit going to break down? Yes. Is your car going to break down? Yes. I'm speaking from experience. I ain't missed a tithe in over probably seven years. And guess what? Our car breaks down and our air unit breaks down and things happen. But I am still blessed. Come on, somebody. Feel like the attacks sure come a whole lot less. And when they do come, guess what? I still got peace because I know the windows of heaven are about to open up over my life. Why? Because I've been stored up every single week treasures in where? In heaven that the enemy can't have, that the enemy can't touch. Amen? And so I hope and pray you're doing that by faith because we don't want to just simply be making our own kingdoms here on earth. I hope you ain't got a garage full of toys, full of four-wheelers and boats and, and, and toys and a, and a basement full of, of toys and just whatever. And you're building all this stuff up and you ain't got nothing waiting for you on the other side. Man, you've been storing up treasures here on earth. Guess what? You can't take that bass boat with you when you die. Rob, you can't take the, the PRS guitars with you when you die. But guess what? I bet God's got you something. He's got you something. Come on, somebody. And so are you storing up treasures in heavenly places? Because we said in week one, the the way that I use money reveals the condition of my heart. And so if Jesus Christ is my everything, then I need to be sowing into his kingdom because he's the king. Right? Right? How we use money determines the condition of our hearts, we said. Look at that first recap point. To start, we always have to start somewhere, and the the starting process is an evaluation process. So if we are trying to financially get fit, inviting God into our financial lives and decisions, we have to lose weight, we have to get in shape, and we have to build muscle. Think about somebody who maybe really wants to physically get in shape. Maybe some of us are a few pounds overweight. Maybe some of us want to improve our our physical lives. In the same sense for our financial lives, you have to start somewhere. Depending on how out of physically out of shape you are, you can't just show up to the gym and say, you know what, I'm going to run 10 miles today on this treadmill. You know what, put, put 225 on the bench. Here I go, right? I ain't been in the gym in 10 years, and I'm going to throw 225 on there and, and do some reps, right? No, you have to find out, ask God, where am I? Because all of us are all over the financial spectrum, right? Some of us have tons of debt. Some of us have 10 credit cards too many. Some of us don't have any credit cards in Jesus' name. Some of us own our houses. Some of us rent houses. Some of us own our cars. Some of us are financing cars. The thing is, no matter where you are, God knows exactly where you are. 
And God's commandment to you is the exact same as God's commandment to Elon Musk or the other next billionaire name. I don't know. Who are some people? They're all going to answer to the same God. Come on, somebody. Their command, God's commandment to that person is the same as it is for me. Little Oline Westbrook in Holly Pond, Alabama. I love where I'm from, where I live. Because God's word's the same. It's, it's the standard. Right? So we have to find out, God, we have to figure out where am I? Am I doing some things right? Am I doing some things wrong? Am I honoring God with what he's given me? Am I storing away money? Am I saving money? Am I paying my bills on time? Am I doing what God has? Really what we need is we need a divine vision from God for our finances, our financial life. Look at Proverbs 29, 18. We gave it to you last week. It says, where there is no, the people perish. God's vision for our lives is our game plan for victory. If you don't have a game plan, how do you expect to win? If you just swipe the card aimlessly all day long, every single day, you don't track, you're not being a good steward, what God has given you, excuse me, how do you expect to get out of debt? How do you expect to get ahead? How do you expect to own your car? How do you expect to, to save some money and begin to bless your children and your children's children and your children's children? Do you know that the Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children's children? Are you so caught up in just thinking about your kingdom and your life and, and the now, you're not even thinking about the inheritance you're going to leave? Because if you don't take care of what God gives you, you're not going to leave anything for those that you love and care about. The saddest thing is most people, what do they leave? Man, you are track with me. They leave debt. Some people have to borrow to bury the ones that they love. Because we're not honoring God and inviting God into our financial lives. Right? And we're going to see in the Bible, you know, Jesus, he spoke and taught a lot about money. I know, so I feel kind of awkward and weird sometimes. We only, we only really do a money message about once a year. And, and, and I feel like sometimes it can be kind of weird when you're talking about money in the church. But you know what? God talks a lot about money. Because I believe he understands how important money is for us. We need money to live. Right? And he wants us to be blessed so that we can bless others. But he, he, he speaks and teaches a lot. So we need vision. We need his vision to win. Who wants to win? Let's do it. Look at all the hands coming up now, all right? So let's run and let's win together. Let's be diligent with what he has given us. Look at that first uh, new point today on your outline. And so it says, we find out where we're at. So we say, okay, I see where I am, Lord. I hope that's been your prayer. I hope you can identify what you're doing good, what you're not doing so good in. And so how do we move forward, right? So we have to build financial muscle. How do we do that? We do that when we begin to make our money work for us instead of working for money. Do I need to work? Yes. I'm not saying you can just live a blessed, scot-free life by not working. We have to work. God actually tells us to work. If we don't work, it says we don't. Man, I like to eat, so I'm going to work, Right? Well, the thing is, we have to have this different mentality. You know, the Holy Spirit, the vo Holy Spirit's voice in your life is upside down and backwards to the voice of this world, to the voice of your flesh, to the voice of pride, to the voice of whatever. You fill in the blank. And so we have to have a different mentality that says, you know what? No, I have the authority. My money's not going to tell me where to go. I'm not going to let my money dictate what I'm going to spend it on. I'm going to tell my money where to go. Somebody say go. That's a, that's a shift in mentality. 
You have to begin to see that you have the authority purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ to reign in your finances, to know the, the, the status of your flock. We talked about that last week, right? To know the state of your flocks. Your flocks is your, your bank accounts, your financial status. That's what we have to do. We have to have this shift that says, you know what? I'm the head and not the tail. And I, I don't care how much money you have, if it's if it's a dollar in your checking account, if it's a thousand dollars, if it's a million dollars, it doesn't matter. You are still spiritually rich if you believe in Jesus Christ. And if you believe in that, that dollar can turn into a million dollars by your faith if you honor him in Jesus' name. But God doesn't want us to compare our lives to those around us. Based on, oh, they got all this money, they got that car, they got this house, they got this, they got that, and I just got this. No. God says, you're the head. I've given you responsibility. I bless you every single week with $500. What are you doing to honor me with what I give you faithfully every single week? Right? So we have to begin to make our money work for us. Look at Proverbs 21.20. It says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. I said this last week, the goal for you being blessed is not so that you can be rich. So that you can, it it says there that the the wise have wealth and luxury. And so this is what I want to say. God, the, the point is not to be rich and live in wealth and live in luxury, but God does want you to enjoy your life. Do you know that? He wants you to have a good, healthy, comfortable life, a good, dependable car, a a nice house, uh, a great family. He wants you to have those things so that you can be healthy and, and benefit from the blessings of God. But he doesn't want those things to become your God. Do you see that? God detests. It says that God actually hates. Do you know that our God, it says that he hates We serve a God that loves and a God that hates. He detests and hates idols. The Bible says that the root of all evil is the love of money. He detests that. And so a wise man understands that not only I honor God with what he gives me, but that I have to be saving and be diligent in what's given to me. Because what's the second part of that? Verse say, fools spend whatever they get. So if I don't want to be fool, what's the opposite of that? I need to be wise. How, am I, how do I live a wise life? I have to be saving. I, I have to be saving. I can't be spending everything that I get at, and that's that divine plan that God has for us. And so today's message is going to get somebody to say, Really? Uh, really practical today for us and how we begin to, to do that. Saving, not, not just saving, but how can I get creative in the ways that I, I'm saving my money. So look at that next point. That's what we're going to talk about here for a few moments is simply saving. Step one in building financial muscle is saving. Your savings is your seed. Have you ever thought of it like that? Your savings is, is your seed. You can invest, or excuse me, you can only invest what you own, not what you owe, We talked about that last week. And saving is simply spending less than you make. We said last week that the paycheck that you have, if you are covered up in debt, credit card debt or house debt or car debt or all those things above, 
then when you get paid every week or every two weeks, you only get to own a portion of that check that you don't owe. So the less debt you have, the more you get to own of your check, right? That's good news. I want to own as much of my check as as physically possible. And guess what? God wants you to own as much of that check as physically possible, too. But we read last week that God actually calls the children of Israel, the children of God, you and me today, to be the lenders, not the borrowers. He wants you to lend not so that you can people can pay you back, but so that you can be blessed and reach an extended hand of the love of Christ to those who need help. He wants us to actually be the, the lenders not the borrowers. As I was studying this week, you know what? I was, I was thinking about savings, the savings account and how we save money. And the Lord, I love how he speaks sometimes. It's just so, uh, so simple and even redneck at sometimes. And I just had this thought, you know what? We call our savings savings, right? Why do we call our savings savings? Because they save. <laughs> That's good news. If you ain't got any savings, guess what? You're probably going to need to be saved by somebody who's been saving. It ain't rocket science, right? Right? Y'all are with me. I'm glad we got some, we're having some joy and some laughter in the house. But isn't it that simple? How can we can overthink this stuff? And so if you if you're saving diligently, when the car does break down, you ain't got to panic. You can still praise Jesus in the storm because you've been saving. And you're saved by by the blood of Jesus, but by the wisdom that God gave you and the grace that he gave you to be doing what he asked you to do. And if somebody else, maybe their car breaks down and they haven't been so diligent, but somebody close that you love and respect, you get to maybe show them the love of Christ and help them. Right? And God wins either way. Here's the thing I know about savers. Savers are not borrowers. Savers don't need to borrow because they're doing what God said. It said in that point that your savings is your seed. Think about that. What's, what's, what's the potential locked inside of a seed? So much unlocked potential, just in a little itty bitty thing. If you got seeds, you can turn them seeds into some amazing blessings, right, that God wants to produce in and through that seed. The money that you have has unlocked potential. And it's just waiting for you to plant it, to bury it the way that God says, so that it can multiply and be fruitful, so that you can be blessed and so that you can bless others. All right, look at that next point. And so we have to see and understand that the wise don't spend everything that they have. They don't spend every dollar that they have that they save. And we have to build muscle by figuring out that we have to have this ability to resist. Somebody say resist. You have to be able to say no in the now to be able to say yes to the blessings in your future. Right? So in order to build financial muscle, you also need to build your resistance muscle. You have to resist spending your savings on liabilities so you can invest your savings into assets. So we have to resist, like I'm saying, that urge to spend money on liabilities, and that's exactly what they are. Maybe you have a nice car, but it's not the newest. 
you know, it maybe don't look the greatest, but you know what? It's great on gas mileage, and you might want to have a good gas mileage vehicle this day and age, I hear. Right? And, but there's this temptation of, of, of pride in comparison, this, and this pride of life that says, you know what? Maybe I can go ahead and finance a newer car. I'm going to look so good in it. Going down 278 with the windows down and my, my Jesus jams blaring. Right? And if I'm a single guy, maybe I think that that car is like the key to my life. That is not wise. We do all the dumbest things for the sake of, like, this other thing. Right? And so we have to resist that urge of financial temptation to try and compare our lives to the, the Joneses. Right? If you, if you are, if God's meeting your needs... You have a dependable car. You got a good job. You got some savings. You, you don't have a whole lot of debt. And, and the goal has to be living like no one today, Dave Ramsey says, so that one day I can live like nobody else. And so the sacrifice of your praise and the today is going to manifest in the blessings for you to, to experience those blessings in the future, in, in the tomorrow. So you have to start to see how you can begin to invest your money, and multiply your seed. And so I hope that you have at least one savings account. Most savings accounts have a standard of 1% interest that if it's just sitting in there and you don't touch it, you get about 1% interest for the year, right? And so we're actually going to talk about some, some ways we need to pray and seek and ask the guidance of the Holy Spirit for direction and leadership in our lives of other ways that I can save my money maybe in other areas, not in a bank account, where the Lord can begin to multiply my seed because we said that your, your savings is your what? Your seed. So 1% is better than no percent, right? But maybe God wants us to grow it maybe by 20% or 15% a year. And he can do that. We have to be diligent and faithful and do our homework in these ways. And so I want to I talk to you about a couple different types of investments. Say that with me, investments that we're going to look at today. There's two. Okay, let's go ahead and look at the next point. So there's two types of investments. The first one is supernatural, my favorite type. The supernatural investment. And the next one is the natural, the natural investment. Right? Here's your Ian Westbrook uh, definition for a spiritual, or excuse me, a supernatural Investment. A supernatural investment is anything sown into the kingdom of God by faith. Anything sown into the kingdom of God, your local church where you call home, or things like we're doing for Ukraine, we're part of NRP. If you sow that by faith into the kingdom of God, that is a supernatural investment. You are storing up treasures in heaven when you make supernatural investments. And I hope and pray you're making at least a minimum of one every single week. I said minimum of one every single week. We said that's the best type of investment because no one can touch that. And that investment that you make is going to be waiting for you when you pass away one day. And guess what? We're all going to pass away. Every single person one day is going to have their last breath, and we're all going to answer to the same God on the account of what I did with his son and the truth of God and what I did with all the finances that he blessed me with every single day, right? That's supernatural investing. The next one is natural. Here's your definition. 
for that is anything we put money into with the belief, expectation, and intention of financial gain. Right? If you make an investment on the front end into a 401k, into a Roth IRA, into a business, into tech, into Bitcoin, you're doing that with what? The intention of financial gain. Right? A wise person does their due diligence, does their homework in finding out where to disperse their investments. But look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. And what I want to say is, through the scripture is, the amount that we sow into either investment determines the amount of gain. Right? And so at verse 6 says, but this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountiful will also Reap bountifully. So let each one give as purpose in his heart, not grudgingly, out of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. Look at your neighbor with a big smile. Show them pearly whites and say, God loves a cheerful. You don't sound very cheery. Cheerful. Giver. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. Are you freely giving to God, or is it like he's pulling it from your hands, right? Like, give that tithe to me. Are you just like, Lord? Or are you like, Jesus, you love me so much. This is the, this is the least you ask. God, I can't wait to give next week. I can't wait till you give me that raise so I can give more. Y'all, that was my prayer about four or five years ago when I switched jobs. I had stepped in a faithfully giving. The Lord kept blessing me. And I was like, Lord, give me a raise so that I can give more to you. Guess what he did? He gave me a raise, not so that I could be rich or make more money, so that the kingdom of God could flourish more. Come on, somebody. Right? Verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. This is what I want you to get. Whether we are sowing into supernatural investments, the kingdom of God, or natural investments, your 401k, the stock market, Bitcoin, the natural investment that we make on the front end determines the return that we'll get. Whatever I sow, the more I reap. So the more you sow into the kingdom of God, the more spiritually and supernaturally you're going to reap. And the more I... I don't be... Investing money that you're, you pay your, you pay God first, you pay your bills first, and then your savings, the rest is up to you to figure out how to divvy. So do those things first, and then you can begin to invest whatever you feel wise is to invest in those other things. But the more you invest, the more it is that you will reap. Look at that next point. So when we invest into the kingdom through tithings and offerings, it's a supernatural investment. And God multiplies the seed we sow and produces a supernatural ROI. Who has never heard of that term? It's okay if you never have. It's a return on investment. We said that's the intention of any investment on the front end. You're doing this because you have a belief and an expectation that you're going to return something in the end, right? That something is going to come back to you. And so God, he wants a return, a ROI, an investment from you. Did you know that? He's invested a lot in you. He gave his best, Jesus Christ. He invested everything that he had on the cross 
so that you could live in freedom, so that you could have faith. And he is expecting a what? A return on that investment. A return on that sacrifice. An investment is a sacrifice. Here's the good news. Every investment has an ROI, has a return of interest. The better return of interest is the, the, the more that you sow and the more that you invest is the more that you get. And there's no, there's no better investment than you can make and then other than in the kingdom of God. There's no better investment. You, you'll be blessed. You'll walk in love. You'll walk in peace. You'll walk in joy. You'll, you'll walk in real power from the Holy Spirit. If you're making continual investments, God, he, he can't not, not have a return. If, if you're living for him and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead. And God, you look at Leviticus 27.30. And it says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs. Somebody highlight that word. Underline that word if you're paying attention. It says, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. God commanded that they give the best, the, the first 10% of a grain offering if they're making growing produce or a, a, a burnt offering based on whatever animal that was required for that sacrifice, the best without defect. On the front end, God called his. And so for us, that is financially 10% of the income that God gives me every week for the whole year. And I want you to know, because it says there, verse 30, towards the end, it says, excuse me, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Did you know that tithing is not giving? Tithing is not giving. Tithing is an ROI. It's a return of investment to the one that it belongs to. Do you see that? Who has ever borrowed something? Who has ever returned that thing? Who has borrowed something? Go ahead. Don't be shy. Who has never returned that thing? Don't be lying in church. They got some honest folks. When you borrow something, it's unspoken that it ain't yours. Somebody comes and borrows your chainsaw or your weed whacker or your whatever. You expect it to come back, right? And if they don't bring it back, that relationship's probably going to suffer a little bit based on what they borrowed. Because why? That weed whacker, that chainsaw belongs to who? To you. The tithe belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to Liberty Church. It doesn't belong to Ian Westbrook. It doesn't belong to Pastor Keith Hodges. It belongs to Abba Father. It's a return of investment, and he expects it to be returned. And hey, I don't know about you, but if I loan something out to somebody and they never bring it back, I'm probably never going to loan something back out to them ever, somebody say ever, again. 
I don't know about you, but I want more. He was faithful with little, but given much. Return to the Lord what is his. The tithe is God's ROI. Look at Deuteronomy 12, 21. Kind of hitting on tithe here just a little bit for another quick second. It says, you must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, and your offerings to fulfill a vow to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for him and his name to be honored. So your tithe is not giving. Your tithe is returning back to what belongs to God. Anything above that tithe is your offering, is your gift that you freely give. If you give to Ukraine, that would be a gift on top of what you've already gave back to God. And so when you do that, that's when God becomes your Jehovah Jireh. When you freely give, when you cheerfully give, more from abundance, then more abundance follows us. Come on, somebody. Right? So look at that next point. So we kind of talked about just now the supernatural investment. I hope I've inspired you to be supernaturally investing every week. And this is where I, I said that the message is going to get practical. The Lord's really kind of stretched me out of my comfort zone because this is an area of my life that I need to do better in. Finding a way for God to supernaturally multiply the seed that we're saving and not just allowing it to just set in a savings account. That's better than nothing, but... but God wants to grow that supernatural seed for his kingdom. And so the, a natural investment are some of these things. When we invest in mutual funds, business, or real estate, these are natural investments. And it uses the power of compound interest to produce an amazing ROI. And so these are things that we can do to make our money work for us. Right? And you need to, to, to do your homework Right? A way we can make our money work for us are these things. A lot of us, if you're working at a place, generally you have at least 401K, right? That a, a portion of your check can automatically go in there. When you retire, it'll be waiting for you. You can get with a, a financial agent and figure out maybe a way to get plugged into the stock market or, or, or Bitcoin. And, and these are great. But what I want to tell you is never invest in something you don't understand. Never invest in something you don't understand. If you invest in something you don't understand, guess what you're doing? Gambling. <laughs> you're gambling. That's a simple roll of the dice, right? And that's not wise. God wants you to walk in wisdom and in power and in truth. And so starting with me as your pastor, I got I to gotta do my homework and get creative because this day and age is just changing fast. Anybody heard about this Bitcoin stuff going on? It's crazy, cryptocurrency. And so we need to pray. We need to see, God, is this of you, God? Is this, is this good? Is this bad? Is this a way that you can grow the kingdom of God? I need to do my homework and never invest in something that you don't understand. Amen? But look at Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 2. And the writer of Ecclesiastes is Solomon. He is, he is said to be the most wise person on the planet, and he writes this, verse 1, it says, send your grain across the seas, and in time, profits, sounds good, gains, financial gains, right? Profits will flow back to you. Verse 2, but divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. 
Solomon's the wisest man on the planet. And it sounds like he just invented the diversified portfolio. <laughs> he invented the diversified portfolio. Right? And so what we have to learn as we're doing our homework is I don't want to put all of my savings, all of my seed into one place. It has to be diversified. It has to be spread out. Because if, you know, the stock market's up and down, right? You know this? You know what's not up and down? The kingdom of God. You know, that's, give me supernatural investment all day long. But I need to work on natural investment so that my family can be blessed after me. Right? And so, but the, the stock market does this. And so I need to diversify and spread out my investment. So if one is, is going down a little bit, the other one picks up the slack. Right? And this is a way that, that the Lord protects his children. Right? Because he wants us to be the lender, not the borrower. So a wise man understands in order to earn, they have to spend. This is how they see an investment. This is for somebody. This might be your supernatural investments or your natural investments. You have to stop thinking that this money that you're putting forward is money that you're losing. Money that you don't have. This is money that you are sowing, sacrificing now so that later you're going to reap. It's not what you're losing, it's what you're going to gain. See, investors are forward thinking. Investors are tomorrow thinking. They're not now thinking. That's how these, these, these amazing inventors and investors, they have an idea that makes no sense to anybody else in the now because they have a vision. They have a plan. It makes sense to them, and, and they can't find anybody that will go to bat for them, anybody that will invest in them, anybody that will believe in them, and that, except they find a couple. Then those couple, five, ten years later, the blessing, because they're planning and they see the vision, how this is going to work, how this is, how this is going to change the world. So that's the type of mentality if we are saying that the kingdom of God is the most invaluable thing that there is, we need to be charging the gates of hell, right? Investing, winning people to Christ, doing those things that God's asking us, and then we will see the, the benefits of that blessing at the end, at the finish line, right, as gain, as gain. So look at that next point. That'll be our last point today, and then we got one uh, big chunk of scripture I want to read today. And so... This is what I want to leave you with today. It says, God expects a return of investment from us. One day, we will all be audited by God. That's a thought. Has anybody been audited before? I never have in Jesus' name. Stephen's gone. I need to get with him and get my taxes lined up. I may never be audited by the IRS, but guess what? God's going to come and ask me to give an account for how I use the things that he gave me. Everything we have comes from God, and we will be held accountable for what he has given us. We are going to be accountable to our accounts. Think of that. You're going to be accountable to your accounts, your bank statements, the money that he gives you every single week that you're withholding from him. You're going to be accountable to that. So are you honoring the Lord with everything he has blessed you with? And I want to read that last scripture today. It's about 15 verses. It's in Matthew 25, 14 through 29. And Jesus is teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. 
And he's using money, somebody say money, as a parable, as an illustration. Some of y'all have probably read this. Maybe some of y'all never have. But this is really everything we've been talking about today lumped up in one chunk of Scripture. And so I want to give it to you. And so verse 14, it says, this is Jesus, says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. I want to stop there for a moment. Where is Jesus? He's in heaven. Jesus is gone. You and me are his servants. You and me are his servants in this passage of Scripture. Jesus is our master. He has left, and you are his servant, and he has entrusted to you his blessings. Okay, pick up there at verse 15. It says, He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it out in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. I'll stop there for a moment too. Holy Spirit, stand up. Don't compare your life to other people's lives. Don't compare the amount of bags that you have compared to the amount of bags that the Joneses or the Smiths have. Compare your life to the one. Because he gave them according to their gifts, to their abilities, is how he distributed them. Amen. Look at verse 16. That was for free. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to what? Is this the word of God? He began to invest the money. He earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who had received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip. Who knows Jesus is coming back? And called them to what? Give an account. We're all going to give an account to our accounts on how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I want to stop there for a moment. This is why you don't compare your lives to others. Because I wonder if the person who saw, the one person that had one bag of silver, saw the other two, one get two and one get five, he compared what he had to those, and he did what? He dug a hole and put it in the ground. But did you notice what the master said to the one who had the most bags? To the one that had the most bags and got the most return, he said, you have been faithful in handling this small amount. But to the other three servants, he had the most. The kingdom of God is and backwards. In God's eyes, he gave them the same. Somebody say same. It was their faith that determined their return of investment. Not the amount that he actually gave them. Come on, somebody. Do not compare your life 
to other people's lives, it's going to kill, steal, and destroy your faith. Right? Look at verse 32, or excuse me, 22. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. There it is again. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 24, then the servant with one bag of silver, but he's probably thinking, man, right? Said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, investing crops and didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. And I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it here on earth. Look, here's your money back. Here's your tithe back. That's, that's all you get. Here, here's, here's, here's what you gave me. I'm returning what you gave me. I didn't lose any, but, but, but here it is. Verse 26, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy. Somebody say lazy. Lazy servant. I knew, if you knew I had harvested crops and didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you at least deposit my money into the bank? This is the word of God. This is Jesus. Money is spiritual. Come on, somebody. At least you could have gotten some interest. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant. And give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more. Somebody say more. More will be given, and they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even with the little that they have, will be taken away. Liberty Church, fellow servant in the kingdom of God, under Jesus Christ, are you passing the test? Are you just giving to God what's his? Are you not giving to God what's his at all? Are you outgiving what God is giving? Are you being faithful with the amount that you have? If you're being faithful with the amount that you have, he'll give you more. And get this. He said, away from me, you wicked servant. He'll take the money from the wicked, those in sin, and give it to you to use for the kingdom of God. That's good news. Those who are using money for wickedness, God can use for his glory. God wants to. Do you want to? Are you well and able? Are you faithful? If God is your everything, then we must do something. The things that you hold on to, you will lose. That servant thought he was doing a good thing. He, he held on to what he had. The kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. You have to understand that nothing is yours. Nothing is yours. You are in a temporary holding place, holding on to the blessings that God gives you every single day. And when you see those things as his, that changes your life. If God is your everything, we have to do something. Amen. Y'all join me in prayer. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this challenging word. A challenging word. God, you want us to love your life more than our own. If we to try and hold on to our life, your word says we'll lose it. But if we grab hold of your life, we will find it. And so I pray 
that we see this message is more than just about money. Money is important. You know it's important. But something spiritual has to happen in our hearts, in the hearts and lives of real people that say, you know what? I was a sinner dying going to hell. And Jesus, you took my place so that I could live. So I could be free. So I could have joy and peace. And that's worth it to me, God. God, I'll give you whatever you ask. Send me, Lord, I'll go. Isaiah 6. Send me, God, I'll be faithful. Challenge us, God, in our finances, in our savings. Do I need to get creative? Do I need to diversify my portfolio like Solomon says? And spread my investments. In Jesus' name. If you're born again, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. I want you right now to please pray for the lost. We all know somebody lost. Please pray for the lost. But if you're here in the sanctuary or you're watching us online and you never made that prayer to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, right now, your moment, your time has come. I don't want you here, I don't want you to leave here the same. I want you to be to be filled with his love and his acceptance and his joy and peace as you leave here today. And if you want to make that prayer today, it's gonna be really easy, but I'm gonna ask you to do something. It's gonna take faith that says, I hear God speaking to me. What I want to ask you to do is if you want to say that prayer, no one's watching you, no one's looking at you, we're actually praying for you right now. But what I want you to do is I want you to physically stand up. Stand up right now in this sanctuary and say, I hear God is tugging on my heart right now. Me and God ain't right. If I was to die today, I don't know where I'm going. I want to change that. Don't listen to the enemy that says you can pray when you get home or you can pray tonight in your bed. You can do that. But there's a real something supernatural God wants to do it right now in your life. So I'm going to give you a few seconds if you want to do that. If you're watching us online and you're making a decision, please put something in the chat. Say, I'm making that decision. I want you to pray for me. I, I, I'm accepting him as my Lord and Savior right now. Give me a few more seconds and we'll make that prayer. Amen. Well, no one is standing in our sanctuary, but somebody could be making some decision online. So I want to lead us all in a prayer. So y'all repeat after me. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you. Right now, we accept your son. We believe that Jesus Christ is. We confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Please send your Holy Spirit to help me, to lead me, and to guide me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good stuff. I'm sorry I went a little long today, uh, but uh, we love you guys very much. Okay, y'all are dismissed. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Have a great rest of your week, and we can't wait to see y'all next week. Bring some